0: Let me throw you kind of this softball question. Do you think it's a negative? Do you think this is kind of a negative impact on the space of accepting tens of millions of dollars in TVL without even having built it? And also Blast announced that they raised $20 million. So now they're pretty well capitalized. But do you think this sets a bad precedent for the space in terms of uh, allocation towards things that have perceived rewards, although nothing has really been built.
1: I mean, whether it has a negative connotation doesn't really matter. What matters is he's actually really smart. And he realized that if he could grab attention and if he could grab money on top of that, he'd be able to raise funds quickly and easily. And he did. I mean, I don't know how easy it was, but he did it. We know how difficult it is to raise money. I know how difficult it is to raise money. He's smart, dude. I just don't know how else to put it. Like he, He recognized that if I can get traction here, I can raise $20 million in a day. And he did. So do I think that's, you know, shady or sketchy or whatever? Not really. Not really. I mean, look, half a billion dollars says something. That many people were willing to basically send ETH to a multi-sig, you know, just tells you that people think this is one of the great builders in the space and they're happy to throw money at him. Yo gm gm man i feel like i'm
0: still in vacation mode i've had (laughs) thanksgiving leftovers for the last like three days just nice nice. absolutely living the life man adam how how are you feeling today
1: welcome back from that's that's the best we we didn't have uh we had just one bird uh which apparently isn't enough for like 20 people to have leftovers i got no leftovers bro no leftovers no second day sandwiches nothing man it was a bummer because <laughs> usually there's tons, right? But I guess we miscalculated the uh, the amount of bird needs for a proper amount of leftovers, man. That's why you got to do ham. Chris, GM, <laughs> how, how was uh,
0: your Thanksgiving weekend?
2: Yo, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, we had some turkey, some prime rib, kind of just a little assortment, ton of stuffing, the banger as usual, man. How, how about you guys? How about you, Jake?
0: Yeah, it was good. Just uh, hung out with some family. Went over to some friends. I think i had like three different Thanksgivings. Um, it feels weird because we didn't have a Thursday show, so it's been about six days since we've done this. We do have uh, a new guest on. We're going to have a little bit of an open format discussion today. You know, regularly for those that are new to the to attending the show, we host a show Tuesday through Thursday, eleven thirty a.m. Eastern Time, generally about an hour to an hour and a half. Most of the time we have featured guests today. We're just going to catch up over the weekend, everything that happened with Blair Blend Blast and some of the other news and headlines. Uh, we do have DaVinci Threads on the stage, man. First pleasure to meet you. Big fan of your threads. The fact that you did have been doing them pretty much every day is absolutely incredible, man. How was uh, your weekend?
3: Hey, nonstop work ethic. Uh, happy to be here. Hope everyone can hear me okay. Uh, I do follow Adam's content. Um, great value add to the space. Uh, yeah, we don't actually do Thanksgiving in the UK, so I just had a standard <laughs> Sunday roast. <laughs> we didn't really do anything special. My whole time I was filled with Thanksgiving uh, tweets and shares and pictures and I was just, I felt left out. Uh, but no, happy to be here. Obviously I do um, uh, the Library of Inchi, which is usually a thread a day on different topics within Web3, just to give newcomers and people interested in the space a breakdown as to what's happening. And, uh, yeah, very interested in sharing my thoughts on blast blur. Obviously it's taken center stage, uh, and I think it probably is the precursor for a new meta, uh, here in web three.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to dive into the Ponzi's cause I know Adam just absolutely loves talking about Ponzi's although I don't know, um, if it's exactly a Ponzi, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play uh, a little bit of the favorite today. I. We'll start with Blur, Blend, and Blast. The announcement happened, I believe, what, six, seven days ago. Now at this point, we haven't been able to cover it yet. Blur, which has been the the highly controversial uh, NFT marketplace with farming, um, has been this kind of perpetual motion machine upwards and downwards. I think a lot of uh, speculators have blamed Blur to be the reason why their JPEG values have gone down. Uh, I I tend to think a little bit more of, it's just like an accelerant and we're moving into kind of this new wave of gamification um, within the ecosystem. So for those that don't know, there's Blur, which is the marketplace. Blend is the borrowing and lending platform on Blur. And then Blast, which is the L2, which is created and co-founded by the Blur founder, Mr. Pac-Man himself. He's come out and attacked a little bit of fud um, about it, but basically for Blast, the what what, what happened over the weekend with Blast, they and had the announcement, and you could deposit uh, mm-hmm. ETH into this L2 protocol, which we'll get into kind of the background of it, and there you get uh, a points multiple for a new token, which everyone is assuming is Blast. And I see there's already some meme coins that have already tried to front run that as well. Um, but it got into a little bit of controversy, which which we'll dive into um, here in a little bit in terms of kind of this gamification. Some people think it took a, a little bit too far. And now I think Blast sits at like over 30, 40 million TVL, probably much higher than that. I don't know, Adam, what What are your thoughts on this? Have you been following it along? I know you don't tend to play in the kind of gamification world, uh, but you do uh, follow a lot of the uh, kind of principles and things that happen within the space.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, first they did try to tie it to some external revenue source, right? I think that's that's maybe the differentiator yeah. is that you're going to be earning uh, rewards through, what is it, Lido or whatever, the staking mechanism is so in theory that is a differentiator like but what differentiates that for me just going and staking my eth in a normal way um you know it seems like staking with more steps like why would i do that um you know correct me if i'm wrong because this is just this is me just you know reading tweets about it right uh, so i could, if i'm wrong at any point in here please i'm happy to be corrected by somebody who knows more than me um so i guess that is the the differentiator in that you are staking for something which has like an a known reward mechanism uh just by being a part of this ecosystem i think it rightly got a panned quite a bit and that's why paradigm came out with a kind of a statement saying hey you know they're taking money but they haven't built it yet um you know we've seen this before this has happened before and and you know good things don't always come out of this this sort of situation i guess pac-man in theory is more of a known entity. So people obviously half a billion dollars of, of money, people have been willing to throw at him because they believe that he can build it. And I don't doubt that he can, right? Um, you know, Blur for good or bad uh, was impactful. It basically destroyed OpenSea. Um, so, you know, take it out for what it is. You know, do I do I love Blur? Do I think what Blur did was great for NFTs? No, but they took advantage of what was taking place in the space. They recognized it. You know whether it's was mostly wash trading or whatever, but people were interested in that reward mechanism, and you know, has he done it again here? It's very possible he has.
0: So here, let me let me uh, throw you kind of this softball question. Do you think it's a negative? Do you think this is kind of a negative um, impact on the space of accepting? tens of millions of dollars in TVL without even having built it. And also blast announced that they raised $20 million. So now they're pretty well capitalized, but do you think yeah. this sets a bad precedent for the space in terms of uh, allocation towards things that have perceived, uh, rewards, although nothing has really been built?
1: Uh, I mean, whether it has a negative connotation doesn't really matter. Uh, what matters is he's actually really smart. And he realized that if people, if he could grab attention and if he could grab money on top of that, uh, he'd be able to raise funds quickly and easily. And he did. Uh, I mean, I don't know how easy it was, but he did it. Uh, we know how difficult it is to raise money. I know how difficult it is to raise money. Um, you know, he's smart, dude. I just don't know how else to put it. Like he, he recognized that if I can get traction here, I can raise $20 million in a day and he did. So do I think that's, you know, shady or sketchy or whatever? Not really. Not really. I mean, look, half a billion dollars says something that that many people were willing to basically send ETH to a multi-sig, you know, just tells you that people think this is one of the great builders in the space and they're happy to throw money at him.
0: Well, I mean, I guess ETH does have kind of a history uh, over the last year of users just sending money to random wallets that are provided. I
1: guess this one is a little bit... bit You you think about, okay, Ben can get 7 million or 5 million, right? He got 500 million, right? Um, So I think shows a little bit more, you know, which person they have more faith in. They know Ben's just going to give him a shit coin. This guy might actually get him an L2 that... Wow, has built-in staking. Okay, maybe that is you know, it's a cool idea. Like he took one very kind of simple idea, you know, in native native staking, and said, "I'm going to build an L2 on on this premise alone." Um, let's see how this rolls. And half a million, half a billion dollars has been thrown at it. Plus yeah, David, million, you,
0: What's your what's your take on this? I saw you had your hand up early. I know you um, are probably more knowledgeable about this than everyone here, based off of um, the Type of research that you do in the space what's uh what's your tldr
3: yeah initially i wanted to give a, an overview as to i guess blast l2 and how it came into being um so the TVR at the moment is over 700 million if you account for nearly 600 million sent to blast itself and then there's around 100 150 million in blur uh in blur staking right so the reason why, um, I can give you some reasoning why whales and then smaller individuals are investing in this. Um, but we'll, we'll, let's go back to the start of the protocol. So, yep, he's done a huge amount of numbers. Uh, the big, well, his explanation, shall we say, as to why he rolled out BLAST was the fact that he saw inefficiencies within the L2 market. Because, you know, individuals, especially smaller market participants, don't always, or usually have a lot of eth or stable coins laying about right and they don't have these invested in, in Lido or uh, in Maker you know MakerDAO etc meaning you're you're losing out uh, theoretically on 4 to 5% yield so what Blast does is take that out of your hands in a sense where users send their eth or stable coins and Blast will automatically stick that for you on the back end without well without making it clear so we say the marketing materials and you will automatically each day will see your ETH uh all your stable coins automatically be updating in terms of interest so the user doesn't really have to do anything um what paradigm had an issue with was the marketing right so the marketing wasn't really clear as to the fact that as we speak today there is no l2 it's a multi-sig wallet we don't know who the signers are um and you know there's quite a large risk profile in that sense where You're sending money into a black hole and hoping that uh, Pac-Man comes out with another great, um, you know, application or protocol layer. Okay, so I I think Paradigm just tried to cover themselves because there's no way that, you know, prior to investment, they weren't clear with, number one, how Pac-Man operates in terms of his aggressive marketing strategies. And number two, how he was looking to uh, develop the protocol, right? Because he's going live, what, now in November. And it's clear the protocol's not hasn't really been start hasn't really begun building. It's nowhere near light, ready to go live. And we're looking at the middle of next year for that to be the case. So it's very difficult for me to believe that Paradigm weren't aware of this uh situation. So in any case, the major draw for individuals for Wales, uh, the fact is they see it as um, a worthwhile risk to stake if they have staked anywhere in LIDO, right? And have the opportunity uh, to, to well gain from a blast, a future blast airdrop, which has been promised in the middle of next year. Secondly, if you have a large social following, it can be quite difficult to ethically uh, leverage that following for, for money, right? But with the invite, um, with the invite setup that Blast gives you, you can basically monetize your following through, uh, should I say, a Ponzi, a Ponzi type. <laughs> A, pon- a ponzi type mechanic where the more people you invite you earn a percentage of how much they deposit right and then they invite more people and it goes on and on or, or i guess some people may call it an affiliate you know an aff- a affiliate type marketing scheme so whichever one you prefer uh but that, that's a way to i wouldn't say mm, ethically leverage your your social following but basically sentiment is positive right so you're not going to be attacked by the timeline for participating in Blast at the moment. Uh, And then for for smaller users, often, you know, when larger influencers are are shilling something and FOMO's there, they are interested. And what Pacman does really well is leverage gamification and and gambling mechanics, in a sense, right, to draw in dgens. So his UI UX is always very simple. It's always a black box type of strategy where you're not really sure how much you're gonna get out. But, you know, there's a promise of, high-level returns that are difficult to gauge. Um, and then he has the, the free roll stuff where you could get times five, times 10, you know, this lock protocol that he's in, incorporated where it's times 50 times 100%. So that has got all the DJs interested. It's got the buying. And once he's got your money in that multisig, you can't get it out for six months. So, <laughs> absolutely-
1: is, is that really true? I heard three months. Is six yeah. months really true?
3: Uh, okay, that might be a little bit uh, <laughs> four months, four or five months, a little bit hyperbolic. But Adam was right, Jake. You were right in the sense that you know, for investors, it seems like pretty much like a no-brainer. He has what is viewed as commonly viewed as a success in Blur, and he also needed another Ponzi-type mechanic, I guess, to to keep uh, the Blur valuation up, right, for the end of um, season two. And this has been incredible for that.
0: So here, let's uh, let's take it a little bit deeper. Then, what what do you think the intention is behind? Um, j- what do you think the intention is behind a blast um, taking in all of this, uh, all of these deposits, which is you know now sitting over five hundred million? Is there a possibility that all three of these po- protocols between Blend, Blair, and Blast could be potentially commingling funds? Um, right. Although it isn't a multi-sig, right. They could theoretically say, Hey, we have 500 million in this TVL, but we're just going to go use, you know, treasury or the the 20 million that was raised plus with all the Blair treasury. And we kind of use that as collateral to go do all of this kind of like Fugazi financials in the back end. Like why, why accept all of this capital for deposits when blur is already so successful and is valued over multi-billions of dollars
3: well the first point is to prop up the current ecosystem right so mm-hmm. without something else uh, a level of speculation or, or gambling for users of the blur protocol to look forward to the demand for the token was going to go through the floor uh so on one side you have a balancing act here where you want to keep individuals that invested early and have been farming blur season into for a long period of time interested and invested in pac-man as a founder and the protocol as a whole Secondly, this is a great use case and selling case to future investors and what have you about the amount of money and the amount of buy-in and trust and the number of users, I say, <laughs> users i saying speech, uh, your speech marks right that have are looking to adopt or are currently participating in the protocol because you still have the gamified front end, so you can argue to investors that you have. I think at last check it was around sixty-five thousand users currently interacting with the protocol in terms of co-mingling funds i I don't think i'm in a place to speak on that it's i can't really tell in terms of motivation for pac-man and i would be uh i don't really want to speculate in that respect but i will say that from his actions previously i think number one pac-man works for himself and his team and you know he's someone that aggressively vampire attacks um other protocols and, and other competitors which is you know, that, that's business, that's fair enough, in a sense, but I don't think he he would compromise for the good of Web3 as a whole, shall we say. He's for the good of his team and for the good of Pac-Man. And this new protocol uh, massively vampire attacks other L2s uh, within their freedom ecosystem.
0: Vampire attacks, man, the, the age-old tradition brought to you by Sushi Protocol. What's
3: up, <laughs> <brother>? <laughs>
4: Yeah, she Thanks for breaking that, that up. Now I also understand everything except one thing. I mean, how can you be liquid? I mean, there's so many NFTs out there at good prices. How, how can you be? How can you have liquidity laying around? <laughs> and kind of like focus, focus. I, I don't have any of that. So, uh, but but thanks for that. I, I, I'm I'm always a bit lost. But I mean, what what do you expect if you have a name like Pac-Man, I mean, that that's what you eat. That's what you do, right? Eating eating others up, you know, eating eating your competitors. that that's what the name is seeing. I mean, the name's the program,
0: yeah, yeah, I agree as well. So you know, Pac-Man, he went on a thread and he said, the reason why he created, and I'm paraphrasing it here a little bit, the reason why that he went on and created Blast was he saw kind of uh, a handful of these scaling issues and and th- issues on layer one. That wanted to be, and he wanted it. It uh, he wanted a, a better environment for people to uh, participate in. Um, I was like, "Where did you go, Adam?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, just
1: for you guys who are watching the stream, I'm miss messing with uh, with the layouts, and Jake, I just made Jake take a take a moment and think he uh, he lost me on the uh, on the stream, but but I'm, I'm here, sorry.
0: bro. <laughs> so. So yeah, so so Pac-Man, right, the intention of what he said outside of the capitals, he wants to scale Blur and he wants to create uh, more innovative products that are more efficient. And so there's going to be some sort of integration in the future between Blur and um, Blast on the L2 layer. And I'll present you this question, and then maybe we can make some rounds is, um, does that become a risk of centralization where you could essentially have the top marketplace and potentially the top L2 owned by the same team? Does that, is that any cause of concern? (laughs)
1: Uh, no, of course not, bro. <laughs> and I'm sure they won't co funds either. <laughs> Come on, man. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, obviously a big concern. And, um, you know, look, I mean, we've, we've talked about it when Coinbase released their own L2, you know, is it a concern? Of course it's a concern. I think we actually talked about it on this show too, about Coinbase. It was the same deal. Like, you weren't going to be able to take your money off for three weeks or something like that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was something like that. Uh, looks like Pac-Man's like 10 X that. So now it's three months to get it out. Um, you know, I just don't see again. It's like, okay, I understand the idea to a degree. And I, I understand why he would do something like this. But again, he's taken a very relatively simple idea, which is staking which you or I could go do now in eight seconds, go stake our Ethereum. And, but instead I'm going to put it to another, an L2 blockchain that just, so my ETH is automatically staked uh, to, to make this an L, a successful L2. Um, my only question is, is this, you know, a reasonable enough differentiator to make this worthwhile? Go ahead, DaVinci. Uh, yeah.
3: um... So so for me, the major issue uh, is it's basically compounding risk. Well, there's two, uh, there's a, okay, there's three, <laughs> probably three yeah, issues. correct if I, You're so, like,
1: am I seeing this right or am I missing something there? Okay, so the first point is
3: they, at, at the moment, right, they're just taking in an ETH and stable coins to a lesser amount because you can also deposit stable coins. And they're just restaking that in LIDO and, and make a DAO. Which is pushing Lido very close to that 33% threshold, right? Which can compromise uh security, freedom security. I I would I think it's a little bit not a little bit, it's lazy of them to not at least just create their own staking protocol for Yeah, it.
1: that that exact why wouldn't they have just done that and said, Hey, we're making our own staking uh staking protocol?
3: Well, because it's a bit more work for okay. I guess minimal payoff unless you care about so, so this conversation goes in two ways, right? On, on one side, you have the ethics and, uh, you know, the ethics of Web three, your your security, your thoughts on security and and your risk profile. And on the other end, you have the the marketing, the financials, and the ability to, to garner users. Okay, so if we look on the second end, there's a large reason why people are, are buying Blur and, and people are staking here. It's the chance. There's quite a high chance that you're going to make whether it's 20, 30% on top of your initial principal when the airdrop drops for blast initially. Okay. Um, I think the idea itself makes sense to an extent. There is a gap here where it's kind of simplifying the front end for users. A lot of users actually uh, less complicated or smaller users, they don't stake their ETH. So they're losing out on principle every day anyway, right? So to to have this, you could say front end where it automatically stakes for you. And then you're consistently earning interest while being able to utilize different applications on Blast. That's a major, uh, from a, a user standpoint, right? It's a very easy sell, and it, it's a major, it's a step function progress. But there's reasons why other L2s haven't done this previously, and that's because of the security concerns. Because you compound yeah. security to have a whole protocol, a whole L2. This is not just an application. You have a whole L2 that restaking the funds <laughs> on that protocol <laughs> in, 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 in another function. Yeah. Um, so th- that that's why people have thought about this before and that's why they yeah. haven't done it. But um, I, think- I would also say for Pac-Man, it's, very, it's a very smart thing to do because you can continue to create, I don't want to say Ponzi's, but you can cr- continue to create applications on top of that L2 with different tokens, with different use cases that that roll on the interest, shall I say.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, and maybe if somebody in the, in the audience is, is, um, more knowledgeable on staking, just raise your hand love to have you up here. Um, but my understanding of staking, and this is one reason, like, like you said, most users don't stake is there is inherent risk in staking, right? Um, there's risk to the staking protocol or pool that you're using being compromised. Um, You know, it's not, I mean, it was honestly the feeling and it was sold to Ethereum users. Like I myself, two years ago when I was like, man, if I just get 32 ETH, you know, I'm set for life kind of thing. That idea was sold to the Ethereum community. But now it's pretty much understood that you could do that. You could even run it in your own house on your own server, but you are at risk that something could go wrong and you basically could lose all your ETH. Um, there's like this inherent risk to staking. Um, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but that's a little bit terrifying, you know? And to think that an entire L2 is built on this idea um, is is a little bit, it's like terrifying. I don't know. To me, it, it's just with all the hacks and stuff we've had, it just seems like a little bit crazy. I don't know. But that, that's, that's me playing devil's advocate. What do you think, Jake?
0: You know, I would I would go out and say that this is a much better situation than um, previous kind of yield bearing protocols because the yield is real in this point, right? Yeah. You're using MakerDAO's T bill system and you're also using Lido's or Ethereum staking model through Lido, I believe. So that that yield is is real at least. For the majority of it right they could be shaving a few percentages and doing something on the back end to kind of make that the 10 percent that they've been guaranteeing uh for me i try to look in, and kind of step back and look at like the bigger picture so now they have three products or they'll potentially have three products between blur blast and this else or uh, blur blend and blast right and and Eventually, there's going to be two tokens in this kind of ecosystem. You have the blast token and you have the blur token. Whereas the blur token really has no utility so far. They did create a foundation, which I noticed, um, which is where you stake your blur so that you could get this points for the the season three airdrop. And they said that they're going to do, or their plan is to burn some of the blur. And then they also have intention to use blur as kind of this. Uh, I guess, discount system, which at that end of the day, that's nothing new. There's tons of protocols over the, the or I guess, 10 years in uh crypto since you've had kind of these like L2s pop up, beginning with Counterparty, where they're either burning tokens to kind of prop up the price or to increase value. Or they have, um, or you have this discount system, which is what FTTT was. This is what BNB was, right? So there's really nothing new there. Also, they're a U.S. companies, so I think that's why they created the foundation because burning and staking are like two of the things that um, the SEC claims to become a security. So if they prevent themselves, or they could kind of, you know, surround themselves or insulate themselves um, with the foundation, but. What else is there to do with the Blur token? There's really nothing that I see besides hope the number continually goes up. But now you'll have the kind of this dual token system, which if you look throughout the history of, of protocols or crypto protocols, whenever there's a dual token system, it's been pretty much just down infinitely, right? Axie Infinity tried to do three token system and that just basically imploded the entire system. Um, there's been a handful of attempts at this. You know, they could be doing something innovative, but to me, it's like where, like w- what else is there to come outside of just a yield-bearing token? Maybe that's all they need for blast. and maybe maybe Pac-Man is looking at this as two separate things, although he said that he wants to use the l two to scale blur but also wants to encourage innovation on the product. so let's let's move to kind of this l two situation. We had Vitalik came out recently within the last few weeks maybe the last month and mentioned that um the layer two ecosystem um has scaled um much differently than he anticipated he said he wanted kind of this you know this uh i think what is it heterogeneous where he thought they would all end up being the same and it's become this kind of a homogeneous kind of ecosystem where all of the L2s kind of have their own variation, right? You have like Polygon that's kind of gone into the ZK ecosystem. You have Optimism and Arbitrum and now Blast. And so they're all kind of competing for each other with their own variation. What is the incentive or what type of projects do you think will um, find their way to Blast? Is it going to be mostly just financial products? or is it going to be all kind of Ponzi's, right? You're kind of setting this foundation on this layer too, that the base layer is this yield bearing kind of idea. And that's going to attract a certain type of project um, or a majority of it. You kind of see this happen with across all blockchains is whatever the foundation of that blockchain is, is that kind of community that comes around. Uh, Chris, I know you, 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 you have a pretty strong knowledge and, you know, just finance and and token incentives and models. What's what's your thought on um, blast and what type of community that it may attract, or what type of utilities do you think blast will present itself? We'll say maybe six months to nine months from now, after kind of everyone has uh, received their ten percent yield.
2: Yeah, I think that I think they have a pretty strong approach here. I think. Paradigm brings reputation and they obviously brought a ton of capital. So when you think that they overnight raised maybe 500 million, how much of that is actually new capital or user capital rather than kind of just Paradigm capital. So they bring a ton to the table and it's more of a way of just vertically integrating a brand into kind of a calm user interface. So it kind of gives users like a more friendly approach to a lot of these protocols. So I think instead of you know having to go through XYZ layer two XYZ lending protocol, you kind of have an option to basically have a, a more friendly approach to all these different different kind of protocols.
0: Yeah, I guess if you when you kind of present it that way, it's kind of similar to what Coinbase is doing with with Base, where they said that they kind of want to be the on ramp to your kind of on chain economy, so they're building all of these. You know, centralized products that'll eventually lead to all of the kind of equivalent of the the on-chain products. But Chris, what do you think? Um, what do you think happens over the next nine months? Do you think um, Blur or do you think Blast moves past this gamification kind of idea? Do you think Blast and Blur separate themselves, or is it just going to be this this vertically integrated kind of product that attracts um, a lot of, uh, I guess you would say a lot of builders that are similar to what Blur offers.
2: Yeah, I think that the gamification is is kind of the brand. I think that that's kind of like crypto as where, we, where it's going. You know, it was so hard to approach for so long. Everything was really clunky. Everything you had to hop over here, stake your funds over here for this liquid token, move it over here to this different protocol. And so to kind of repackage it in a way that makes sense to users in these kind of like fun, short, friendly user interfaces, Blur, Blast, Blend, everything kind of is a lot more approachable to the user. And so when you have users coming on board that can actually kind of navigate through these new types of systems, it makes it a lot easier for, you know, kind of to meet the user where they are, which is something at Emblem we talk a lot about. So, you know, once you get a lot of these uh, users on board, then you can start building more fun products for them and so it's kind of a different approach that uh a lot of these clunky L2s you know everyone goes for these you know scientific names or these crazy um, you know yeah, really kind of brilliant kind of packaging and i think uh blurs taking more of a friendly approach i think uh i think it'll probably work for them
1: it's funny man i'm i'm almost talking myself into this dude uh <laughs> as we're as we're talking about it i actually it i kind of think sense, right? i kind of think this is genius man um now that i now that i'm like you know, I've heard differing opinions. Um, I really almost think like this is actually a genius move because if you solve the initial thing, which we talk about all the time, how do you get a revenue stream into a project, a continual revenue stream, right? And he solved that right from the start. So you have this continual revenue stream. So it already has a why. The why exists. We know that the rest of the crap, the friend techs and the whatever you can copy pasta those from any chain so it doesn't even matter where the development comes from you can get rip it right onto your chain and if it's the one where the most eyeballs uh it's gonna win the l2 war i don't know I, I'm, I'm suddenly bullish uh doesn't mean i'm gonna put money in it but i'm suddenly bullish yeah davinci go ahead man
3: yeah let, let's put security to the, to the side let's assume yeah. security will will work out and it will be great <laughs> we we'll go 9 to 12 months into the future, right? 50% of the airdrop has been promised to developers. And you're going to have developers chomping at a bit to get access to those users and that TVL, uh, right, to create. I think we're going to see a lot around perps, a lot around RWE. You have to think that people are now getting native yield. And when you compound that, you know, with perps or other um, application layer pro- protocols, your the amount you earn or the margin is further compounded and it's a clear usp from any other uh, l2 in the market at the moment so that's going to have immediate demand uh, you can imagine if you had something like blend right if that sat on top of blast and your your native yield is earning interest as well as the amount you earn when you uh, lend out your ETH, you know so it compounds and it makes a major difference i don't know how closely the blur token and the blast or how closely blur and blast are going to interact but what you will find if this continues, there's a swathe of L3 application layup, uh, you know, a- applications sitting on top of Blast with their own tokens, um, and their own initiatives and incentives. And you'd probably be able to to stake for that with Blast or Blur, wow. <laughs> which is going to continue, it's going to continue the momentum, right? Uh, so if they get this right, they can really spark up a very large ecosystem of L3 applications. And I think it actually. Is the precursor for a whole new meta for L2 when we go into the bull market? I think we're gonna see uh, people like uh 88 dao with an ape chain, uh, and we're gonna see a number of different developers spin up L2s uh with similar methodologies because number one, it makes sense. Why would I I'm not sure what um Vitalik was why Vitalik thought they would be homogeneous, um shall so we say same as all cook collation between different teams on l2s because the incentive structure has always been to spin up your own protocol with its own uh, native token right so it, that that alone kind of gives the impetus for new developers to come in and if it's not an l3 app chain and you want to do an l2 it's unlikely you're going to look at arb and say oh arb have done it perfectly anyway so i'm not going to give it a go but well, you can earn 100 200 500 a billion dollars spinning up your own protocol
1: can you can Um, you give us a breakdown of how the rewards are like has he come out and told said how the rewards are going to be paid out is it paid out all in a native token or how it actually works
3: so it's it's the standard is paid on the native so let's say i stake i'm staking ETH in the future when this l2 is built and it's running i've staked ETH, i've staked usd or whatever stable coin and automatically uh daily you see the increase in your, your E4 said stablecoin due to the back staking on Lido and Maker. Then on top of that, you're going to get a, a black box airdrop of uh, Blast. We don't know how much Blast is going to be worth. Obviously, that depends on the secondary market and the demand. Um, but looking at the TVR at the moment, you could estimate something between a five and ten billion float initially. Just looking at the TVO that's locked up uh, today.
0: Do you think this this kind of abstraction then in this uh, theory where protocols are just going to create their own L2? Does this set does does this put Ethereum in a good position or worse position as liquidity then kind of migrates to these siloed L2s which are kind of owned and operated by these protocols? Or do you think that creates a a better experience overall, Da Vinci? What what are your thoughts on that?
3: So as, as Chris said, right uh one of the things that pacman does really well is the ui ux or the front end that appeals to dgens and also casual users of of crypto and web3 it's easy to understand it has the gamification slash gambling elements to to it and that draws you in right and a number of these l2s haven't got great or simplified front ends um so i actually i, I forgot the rest of the question there jake can you repeat that
0: yeah just because uh, in the in the scenario that you set up you're you're all good uh the scenario that you set up where some other suitors in the bull market then follow oh, yeah, black yeah, everything yeah
3: um well competition is usually a good thing right stronger survives what will happen is you have a swathe of different protocols some fall off some pick up speed and the users choose what's best where the worry comes in is if everyone takes a laser approach. If they take the the blur, uh, sorry, the blast approach, but it, they they copy it fundamentally, as in a laser approach where everyone just stakes to Lido, then you have an issue, right? Because <laughs> then it's going to shoot over that thirty three percent threshold, and you, you have an issue right there. But it, if people even um, you know just just copy Lido and spin up, you know, a similar protocol to staking, then I, I think that's okay from that perspective. And then there's the whole conversation about the multi sig, which, um, yeah, <laughs> having a multi sig, standalone multi sig, we don't know the signers. Um, it's that's a very big uh, risk factor, you know. Uh, so hopefully these future L twos don't copy it like for like, but I'm I'm sure they all like the look of uh, the the earning automatic interest on your on your principal.
0: Yeah, it, it. I just kind of think of it in this way, in this kind of comparison of everything's being inherited from the from the layer one, the yield is, the security, the users, right, the community, social consensus. Uh, Ethereum's kind of in this weird predicament. First, it's been kind of lagging in terms of value compared to um, everything else over those last few months. Uh, its biggest competitor is Solana, which is this monolithic blockchain. It's all on the L1, right? It's it's easy to use. It's faster. Uh, Ethereum's solution to scaling is to create L2s. But again, Vitalik thought, right, they'd all be similar. So it'd be this easy way to have users go back and forth. But in this scenario, um, now you have Blur that owns Blast. And you're going to have all these other protocols that are going to create their own L2s, right? You could see this scenario where there's... 50 to 100 or more l2s uh my question and just my curiosity is like is that is that a good thing for ethereum is does that make it a better user experience does it abstract all of the uh, users away just because it becomes too confusing or is that kind of just the culture of ethereum where it's just it's always continually improving and changing and that's just kind of something that you have to get used to and kind of adopt that mentality chris what do you think about that
2: yeah I think that that's kind of the the question is where the value is going to accrue that's how it's kind of been you know the no one knows for sure how it's going to end up but um you know the bankless guys talk about it a lot that ethereum is just more of a settlement letter a full-on settlement letter to all these kind of l twos l threes whatever it may be is that the right approach it's kind of to be seen I don't think that it lagging you know in recent times is too much of a call for concern or even super relevant I think that Solana obviously got pretty beat up, um, you know, over the last year. And I think that that was kind of more of a mean reversion, kind of like a, you know, coming back to life type of rally. And I think that, uh, Bitcoin with the ETF obviously has a lot of momentum. So Ethereum just didn't have like that super strong narrative going into the early stages of the market that we're at today. But I do think that they, there's a lot of work to be done, right? Nothing's set in stone and, uh, where, where the where the value will ultimately accrue is, is definitely up for grabs. So I think that blur blend and blast, I think it's a good thing for the ecosystem. I think, you know, having a common ground where people can go and build applications and feel comfortable moving around rather than all these d- siloed, you know, different singular protocols kind of exist. I think that makes a lot more sense. So I think we're on uh, you a know, step in the right direction.
0: Kind of when you, when you, when you zoom out and you look at the foundation of this, it all begins kind of at the, the NFT marketplace and kind of the proliferation of, of NFT adoption. To me, it, it there's clear signs showing that we're moving to tokenomic and gamification model versus these kind of traditional uh, marketplace fee models. As royalties officially are set to zero on <laughs> Ethereum, uh, I believe March 1st, 2024, right now, everybody who has had who has a project, you now have to go find uh, a new platform to to live on, whether you go create your own marketplace and, and platform, right? Or you have to release a token alongside your project to then kind of uh, fight for it for revenue. But on the marketplace level, when you look at, um, I guess, the three or four last standing ones, right? You have OpenSea that just has a marketplace fee, um, who knows if they're ever going to release a token or not? You know, they they wanted to do an IPO. Who knows if that's still on the table or not? It seems like they're now kind of pivoting and and focusing on creators, but not from the royalty standpoint. It seems like more like beginners with their creator studio. Uh, you see looks LooksRare has its own token. It's really uh, pivoted to this like gamble fight ecosystem, which, you know, has been kind of fun to watch. And they, they have their own token. x 2 i 2 is kind of just like falling off a cliff. They do have x 2 though, which is like their NFT five platform. And then you have Blur, right? Which has its token. It has 0% fees as of now. It's all along this gamification kind of models, introducing all these types of financial products. What is the future of NFT marketplaces? Like what is the future? Is, Do we be does everything become this tokenized kind of tokenomic models where now every marketplace is going to need to have kind of a tokenomic expert? Um, Or will we be able to go back to kind of this standard fee model, which I think is what OpenSea is trying to cater to is just beginners. Because as we know in crypto, right? Anytime you try to tell your friends about crypto and you start explaining tokenomics, they just tell you to shut up and walk and they walk (laughs) away, right? They roll their eyes. So that's it seems to me that's kind of where OpenSea is headed more so um, and then Blur is just catered really to the DGens who really understand and want to participate. Um, Dogfather, what's on your mind?
4: Yeah, I think we should not uh, forget Magic Eden. So um, oh, yeah. they are like pretty innovative. So I, I was always fading them because they were like on on Solana, but they're pretty aggressive and um, pretty successful in the Ordnance market so um and there there are still fees right so i think two percent or so to earn because it's like an early market so there you can still earn some money probably if blur would enter the market or some you know i don't know open then more competition would mean lower kind of marketplace fees but uh you know if you're new to market you can still earn some some decent money and um in the more mature markets where you have more uh, uh, competition, you earn less. I mean, I think that's like standard economics. So, uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to how the Bitcoin ornos market uh, what what kind of role they will play.
0: Yeah, I for, for, forgot about Magic Eden's launching that royalty uh, enforced marketplace with with Yuga Labs. That'll be kind of interesting to see um, how they prevent that or how they uh, include that. But Magic Eden, too, just to kind of focus on them, they have really taken this kind of multi-chain approach. Um, and they do seem to be dominating it out of all of the other marketplaces. They just released their own multi-chain wallets, um, which I believe is in beta. Um, they've improved their front end. They've really gone hard into ordinals, um, right? So I guess that is kind of the four lead, four leading marketplaces. Magic Eden doesn't have a token. Who knows if they ever will, um, yes. right? I guess, <laughs> yeah. My yeah. thing is, my question is just like, are places like Magic Eden, OpenSea, Um, are they going to be forced to launch a token because they have no other way to compete? Adam, what do you think?
1: Well, I think at the end of the day, like um, the majority of the world doesn't want to work on gamification, but crypto certainly wants to work on gamification, right? And we are in the gamification stage of crypto. And I'm hoping, you know, but it might be 20 years before we get to this kind of like, crypto is this base layer of the way the digital world functions. But right now, Uh, gamification and your ability to attract eyeballs through gamification is a big deal, and it is like it's impossible to ignore. Um, if you can't get that right, you are going to have a very difficult time trying to attract eyeballs because at the end of the day, this is about a money making industry. People want to make money, they come into crypto to make money, uh, fast money, they think they can get rich. People could see, you know, some. 15 year old kid made a million dollars last bull run. They're like, why can't I make a million dollars? And no matter how many times you tell them, well, look, dude, that was one in a million, you know, you might as well go buy a scratch off ticket. They still don't believe you. Cause that 15 year old did it. So I'm going to do it this time. This is my time now. Um, you know, good luck. You know, like maybe it's going to have some, some of you will probably some of you in this you know space right now will become millionaires over the next two years. It's possible. I hope we all do. Um, but at the end of the day, that is a gambling mechanism that we're working with there. And most of the world doesn't want to live in a, a gamified gambling world, right? Um, but for right now, this, this works. And I think OpenSea ignored that to its own detriment. And now OpenSea is basically a shell of a company. You know, if they can survive long enough to get to that next stage of crypto, you know, maybe. I hope they socked away a lot of money um really what they should do is they should fucking hire pac-man get him on there like he should be their ceo and let's roll man that's the way they should do it i mean who's up for open sea run by pac-man bro that would be the open sea i could get behind man i'd be fired up for that
0: you you know i'm actually not as much on the train of open seas dead i think they've Basically, put their foot in the sand and said, "This is the direction we're going. We're catering to beginners. That's how we want to do it." And uh, you know, if we do believe in this world where NFTs are going to proliferate the internet and be adopted by everybody, whether it's for tickets or trading JPEGs or Metaverse land or whatever the case is, it seems like OpenSea is just going to go for those who just want an easy interface. They don't want to play with tokenomics. They just they want to just learn, right? And that's kind of. The same exact thing Coinbase does as well for cryptocurrencies. If you're new to it, you you whenever your friends come, uh, whenever your friend whenever you're talking to your friends about cryptocurrency, generally at least if you're in the U.S., you recommend Coinbase because it's the most simple you, uh, user interface. You're not going to tell them to go on to Binance or to go on to KuCoin or anything, right? Because it's just going to turn them off. It's probably the same situation here. Whenever my friends talk to me about OpenSea or talk to me about NFTs. I give them OpenSea, I don't tell them to go to Blur, I don't tell them to go to Looks Rare or Magic Eden. It's just way too freaking confusing. Uh, so I, I do think OpenSea uh, on this tangent is going to survive. I think they will have like their re- revitalization. It's just right now in the bear market or the early
1: signs of a bull market, the only people left are DGEMs, right? Yeah, the- I, just, you know, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I actually, I agree with you on a lot of a lot of what you're saying. The only thing is, is that most people in the world aren't going to pay $30 for a gas transaction to get by an NFT, right? They want to have NFTs that are basically, you know, a quarter or a nickel or whatever, or just, you know, something fun and easy. And, you know, and so maybe that's why a lot of people are kind of looking at Solana being like, hey, this is where the action really is, you know? So the debate maybe is, is it going to be on Solana or is it going to be on one of these L2s? Like, maybe that's the debate we should be having uh, for the next bull cycle. Like, where's most of this going to take place? And my gut would say they would just go on an L1. They would go on Solana. Um, but I'd love to hear other people's, you know, views on, you know, how I might be wrong there. Oh, Chris and I have,
0: t- t- we've been talking about Solana for a while. He's probably the biggest Solano- Solana bull here. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what what's your thoughts on, um, you even mentioned earlier that, Ethereum is going to be more of a settlement layer, and then Solana will probably be more of a transactional layer. Um, in terms of just NFT marketplaces, or I guess the the entrance of NFTs for beginners, um, do you think Solana is um, that medium?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've been at Solana Maxi for kind of a while, not because of, you know, anything that I believe in, just that it's the easiest to use, it's the easiest to onboard, it has the, use, the, the best user experience something that, um, you know, customers are used to, which is like instant settlement, actual uh, instant finality, when you send coins directly to one wallet to the other one, they're there 10 seconds later, um, with like zero latency. So I think that, you know, and, and with little fees, right? That's kind of super important. So digital products, for the most part, should be extremely cheap. You can replicate them to infinity. That's kind of the 100X improvement that the digital world has over the physical world. And so do I think that Solana is great at that? Yeah, 100%. And do I think that Ethereum will be more for high-end collectibles? Of course, for sure. something same same with Bitcoin. I think that that makes a lot more sense. But if you want to move fast and kind of try new, a lot of new things and replicate a million of a particular image that you can own individually for certainty, I think that that's much better done on, on something like Solana. I don't think that people are going to jump through 10 different L2s just to have the same experience when they can just go to a singular layer one, it just kind of first principles, it makes the most sense. And so I think that that is kind of continuing to play out. And I think that it's uh, probably going to kind of accelerate from this point on.
0: Why, why doesn't Solana have something like blur or maybe it does, um, you know, Blur has been around for about, it does, about for sure. a year, What which, what is on Solana and does it have, um, any type of adoption?
2: Yeah, uh, actually like uh, Magic Eden isn't the biggest NFT marketplace on Solana anymore. It's a marketplace called Tensor. So it has a similar UI to to Blur um, token coming somewhat soon. I'm also super pro token. I think that tokens are kind of one of the the uh, value propositions that we have to kind of incentivize behavior in crypto, you know, for group coordination. So I don't really see why you would be in crypto and not be willing to launch a token that kind of has never really made sense to me. When you can kind of uh, align incentives with your users through the format of a token, I think that that's kind of one of the PowerPoints of of crypto. So I don't really get why OpenSea or something would be resistant to that. It would just be kind of a digital version or, you know, uh, a modern day version of a rewards program. And so do a lot of these, you know, Web2 businesses that have rewards programs, are they is it a larger hurdle to get involved or is it a little bit more scary on the outside i don't really think so so I, I don't know why a lot of these companies would be resistant to a token that's kind of never made sense to me
0: yeah i guess maybe just the regulatory concerns um is just the, the h- toughest hurdle especially when your us is where you see all these like foundations uh kind of pop up so do you think then on Solana, do you think you'll get something like uh blur farming or this bid farming and gamification um i I, again i don't follow solana too much but from what i see it doesn't seem like there is um the type of degen gamification that we see on ethereum do you think that's just because solana is just hasn't been around as long and the culture um has kind of gone a different direction i think it's
2: there i think that the the asset prices are you know a little bit less but you still have liquidity pools. You have NFT mark uh, AMMs. Tensor is pretty much the same thing as Blur. So you have you have farming points. You know, same deal. They have NFTs that you can kind of rack up for like automated farming. Um, it, yeah, it's pretty much the exact same thing. A lot of the the narratives that you're seeing play out on Solana, <laughs> it's kind of easy to follow because they've all played out on Ethereum. So uh you know you have kind of meme tokens kind of taking over you have dog tokens taking over you know you kind of have all of these different kind of aspects that happened in ethereum you have ens and then you have solana naming service so you have all of these same narratives that are just replaying in solana in a, it in a, like kind of a slower motion because it's in earlier stages so i don't know like jake you've been around for a long time adam you've been around for a long time So you've seen these narratives play out like in real time and then now you can go to a different ecosystem and watch it play out again in the same way, maybe a little bit different of things just because the barrier of entry is a little bit lower and you know, the cost to, to actually play is a lot lower. Um, something that I kind of compare it to is maybe a casino, a lot of these, you know, Adam kind of brought it up that a lot of this is just speculation in general, so similar to a casino, you have a high limit room and then you have the general casino floor where you know your your take is a lot lower your minimum bet is a lot lower and so most people in the world they're looking for a lower minimum bet they're not playing high stakes they want low barrier of entry with maybe a high maximum reward and so that's where kind of the difference in the ecosystems might be uh, a little bit more obvious oh,
0: that was a, a very good explanation appreciate yep. you for that uh, i'll present this last question then you know where i guess Pac-Man, he came out and said outside of scaling Uh, Some of the products he wanted to release is something like NFT perps, which if you know, that's just adding leverage to the ecosystem. But it is kind of adding additional functionality and utility to NFTs. So on things like Blast, I kind of predict you'll see a lot of NFT financialized products begin to pop up there of NFT perps and options and all of these other things do you think that the addition of all of these nft financial products it's sets a uh, or, or points nft's in a direction towards uh financializing the dgen casino versus actually adding utility and trying to uh, use nft's to kind of better humanity in this way of like <laughs> improving ticketing systems right or improve or artist royalties uh, as we know um the the crypto communities uh heavily monkey see monkey do, and once a narrative takes off, it's really hard to kind of put that back into Pandora's box. Uh, so for this last question, I'll start with uh, Da Vinci. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? As Blast wants to Blast and, and Pac Man wants to create all these financial NFT financialized products, is that is that a good thing or a bad thing for NFTs?
3: Um. I, I've come to terms with the facts, it doesn't really matter what I think. In a <laughs> sense. And I've just I've just come to terms with it. That the market's going to move in in the way the market wants to move, and quite frankly, this will happen. It is happening, and it will continue to do so. I personally am not a big fan of NFT fashionization or financialization as a whole, because I, I like NFTs being non-fungible, right, and maintaining their uniqueness and we look at a little JPEG and it, it, one JPEG looks different from another. And we partly buy due to the, the visual look of said JPEG rather than it being completely financialized. But that, that's the way things are going. People are going to be able to, well, they can now anyway, you know, long it, short it, which will make the market more volatile. Uh, we've already got loans against it, et cetera. I guess that one plus for fashionization uh, or loans is, the, the capability to have a lower barrier to entry, you know, in terms of getting a piece of an expensive brand um, at a lower price. But then again, a lot of these NFT projects are now bringing out tokens, which is that on ramp. So it's, you know, slightly counterintuitive in, in that respect. Um, I think in relation to OpenSea, they're in a tough situation from a regulatory standpoint. And that's why they're not really able to, or haven't been to date, able to tease or roll out a token. And Pac Man being like CEO of OpenSea, I don't know what, what he'd do over there. There's no token. How's <laughs> he got it? <laughs> improvise
1: user behavior. There's no token yet, my friend. There's no token yet. <laughs> yeah,
3: I mean, if they could get around the regulations, but you know, they've got a lot of uh, mainstream investors and it looks like it's, it's difficult, it's tricky for them. Um, but I will say, OpenSea, they made a, a major mistake not championing royalties and and sticking to that narrative because at least that narrative completely opposes what other things on the market right with pacman etc and you'd have the support of creators so as we as someone mentioned magic eden's taken that burden upon themselves partnered with uh, ape and uh opensea have alienated a number of large nft projects they don't really have a clear usp at the moment except for uh, i think jake said simplicity of onboarding and, and a user interface i guess which is helpful um, but they're just like a worse blur at this point, right? You pay more <laughs> for the same product and you know it, it d- doesn't really work. So I think they've got to look at that. Someone said in terms of mainstream adoption and gas, ETH, Solana, I think with ETH, with Bitcoin, et cetera, even, even Sol, most of the NFTs are priced much higher than the average mainstream individual that works a nine to five is going to want to pay for a, for a JPEG or for a digital product. So I mean, with Ethereum, if you're buying a Fidenza, you don't care what the the gas price is, right? If you're buying a if you're buying a a project, and even if it's 0.5 or above ETH, like that's one thousand um, dollars. So the ordinary layperson, I don't think is going to be participating in those ecosystems. Uh, Solana, I don't know if Solana goes far enough to pick up, you know, mainstream adoption in the way people see. I see. This battle is a battle for people who are in the ecosystem or who adopt crypto from a native perspective, but for individuals that just want to pay with a credit card, etc., I, I I assume it's going to be something. Well, maybe Polygon. Uh, I think it's going to be something like Amazon marketplaces or something that we, you know, some sort of Web two conglomerate is going to come in and to just make it incredibly easy, where all of the crypto and blockchain and backend is completely hidden, yeah. um, but they're still NFTs. And uh, anyone in the mainstream can get involved. They go to the website, they pay, and and they don't even know it's coming to a, a wallet in all all intents and purposes. I, I think that's a likely future.
1: Yep. It's okay. really, really interesting takes there. I can't say as I disagree with any of it. Um, I don't know if, you know, we're, we're constantly on the lookout for what's the thing that's gonna be the next, you know, bull market trigger, uh, looking for that next, okay, what NFTs were 21 you know, 2021, they blew up. They connected with regular people, came into the crypto space because of NFTs. You know, do we think an L2 is gonna trigger that? Like probably not, but is something built on an L2 trick? Does that trigger it? It's possible, but it could just be as possible that something on Solana, right? Or something on Ethereum or something on ordinals, right? It could be on any of those. Um, yeah, I don't know, man, still looking. Yeah, if anything,
0: I think the bear market's shown that the three chains between Ethereum, Bitcoin, and Solana are kind of the main three, where which houses, I don't know, 80 90% of the community. And it's a competition between them, but they've all kind of taken their different approaches, right? Uh, Ethereum is kind of the settlement for smart contracts and kind of this, it, it, this I guess, experimentation. This is kind of where the culture is built. Um, its biggest outsource or I guess say export is generally new types of innovation. Solana is going to be the transactional layer, um, right? Cheap fees, easy to use. And then you have Bitcoin is the largest name brand, which is now going through its its own, uh, I guess, second renaissance in terms of of innovation. Um, So between these three, um, as long as you're dabbling in both of them, you're probably going to be the right spot or something else could pop up you know yeah (laughs) right (laughs) who really knows uh chris we'll we'll end with you one final final take what do you think about the uh financialization of nfts and then these financial products that are eventually going to come to market like nft perps i know there's some but when it's mainstream adoption uh bullish or bearish for um the future of nfts
2: for sure i'm a a super fan i think that Capital markets and capital efficiency is how a market goes mainstream. I mean, it's obviously levels of degeneracy and how far you want to take it, but it's completely necessary to add liquidity to assets that you own. Something that's very simple to understand as a leverage product is the 30 year mortgage that was one of the biggest advancements in uh, human advancements in the entire world. That's a five to one leverage on your home. that brought home ownership available to mass market. So leverage isn't always bad. It's not always a, you know, degenerate tactic. Yeah, you can get carried away for sure. But when you have these assets, you know, that you want to move, or maybe you just are in a liquidity crunch and you need to borrow against one of your assets, having a a lending platform or a lending market is completely crucial. So that's how you grow a market. You don't always want to have to have a fire sale every time you want to, you know, sell a mid-tier board ape or whatever it might be. Maybe you just want, you know, a two-week or one month loan on it or something like that. So leverage at the end of the day, um, it's always about how far you want to take it in terms of degeneracy, but it's absolutely critical for a, a market to mature in advance.
0: Boom. Well, I think we're in for um, a fun three to six months, um, to say the least. When the Blast token comes to market, you got the Blair token. How it'll all mix? I guess you could say it'll blend
1: together, right? Uh, <laughs> Bro, I can't wait for us to get our the rare Pepe's over there, so they can, you know, create their DeFi platforms, and everybody can start, you know, staking their rare Pepe's and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. It's gonna be awesome. Man.
0: Yeah, if anyone's in a good position, you know, it's us at Emblem Vault. As long as we don't fumble the bag, uh, we'll be able to take NFTs to whatever platform you want to go import that value. So, uh, Da Vinci, first, I appreciate you for coming on, man. This is the first time we got to talk kind on of a spaces. I've been a big fan of your threads. Uh, I really, really appreciate you for your time.
3: Oh, no, yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, very considered conversation. I like the different takes. Um, well, all of you had very valid and strong points, and uh, it was great to share my reasoning because a lot of the time you, you put out your thought process and you're able to, to sharpen or refine what you think by listening to other learned individuals in the space.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well said. For those that don't know, we host this show Tuesday through Thursday, 1130 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, it's compiled of, of interviews, headlines, nudes, topics. Tomorrow is our Pepe show that we host every Wednesday. We're going to be featuring two of the original Rare Pepe scientists, Bench and Sean Leary. We're going to be talking about the $110,000 Rare Pepe Nakamoto sale to Gordon Goner, one of the founders of Yuga Labs. We'll also dive into Pepe and the updates of everything with the OGs. Make sure you follow everyone on stage. Follow DaVinci, great content. Myself, Adam, Emblem Vault, and Chris, we work at Emblem Vault trying to take things cross-chain. Dogfather as our favorite uh, contributor, Everything Ordinals, he is the man to follow. And until next time, guys, we'll see you tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time.